Good to see you guys. Welcome everybody on the live stream. So good to be with you guys today, virtually, digitally. I had the, uh, the tech team um, drop my weight on camera, 10 pounds. That's what we can do with technology today. It's incredible. Amazing. Just kidding. Oops, sorry, Lori. I'm blocking your way there. So good to be with you guys. Making sure I didn't break something here. What an awesome time in the presence of God. Incredible time to be together. How many of you guys are excited to be here in the atmosphere? Awesome. Very good. Again, good to be with everybody joining us online as well. And so good to be with all of you here in the room. Well, you guys, today we're continuing in our series, We Are Joy. How many of you have been enjoying this series? No pun intended, enjoying it. We Are Joy. And uh, Pastor Kyle did a great week or a great job last week. Is that right? A great week last job. Yeah. Yeah. and a great job last week, and, um, and I did a great job two weeks ago, I thought. I mean, I don't know what you thought, but I thought it was a great job. I mean, I studied for the message, so that was an improvement from most weeks. Normally, I just preach by the letter. I open my mouth and let her fly. Is that how it works? Uh, no, I told my dad. That's a dad joke, which fits really well with this message today. So today, as we continue in this series about We Are Joy, talking about who we are as a church, why we exist and what God has called us to do in this city, we're going to talk on the topic of discipleship. And specifically, we're going to talk about the reality that for every disciple of Jesus, every person who's a follower of Jesus, not only are we called to be disciples, but we're called to make disciples. Can I get an amen in the house today? We're called to do this. But before we jump into the message, I want to show you a video that's actually a commercial from Progressive Insurance. Now, how many of you know, in our day and age, we don't watch a lot of commercials because we all stream. Is that right? We Netflix and all that. But Bethany and I are actually borrowing somebody's Hulu account to binge watch a show. And they, don't, they are cheap, you know, and don't pay for us to borrow their account with the commercials off. <laughs> so we have to suffer through the commercials. But uh, commercials, I think, have gotten really good in this day and age because nobody watches commercials anymore, right? So commercials are like their own show. And we've been watching this commercial by Progressive that's talking about the fact that we all turn into our parents as we become homeowners and as we, as we age. How many of you have experienced this reality, right? You turn into your mother, your father, you start to do things. Even for me, I kind of like shuffle like my dad now. I don't really even take steps. I just sort of walk like this. And uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just what happens. So before we jump into the message today, we're going to watch this commercial by Progressive. and uh, We're at the movies and we need to silence our go. phone. Who knows where that button is? I don't have silent. Everyone does, right up here. It happens to all of us. We buy a new home and we turn into our parents. What I do is help new homeowners overcome this. Was oh, that an adjustable spanner? Good choice, Steve. Okay, don't forget, you're not assisting him. You hired him. You have nowhere to sit. You have too many. Who else reads books about submarines? My dad. Yeah. Oh, those are... Progressive can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto when you bundle with us. Look at that. All right, everyone, we made it. My job is to help new homeowners who have turned into their parents. I'm having a big lunch and then just a snack for dinner. So we're using a speakerphone in this store. Is that a good idea? One of the ways I do that is to get them out of the home. You're looking for a grout brush. Garth, did he ask for your help? No. 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 We all see it. We all see it. He has blue hair. Okay. Blue. Progressive can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto when you bundle with us. Keep it coming. You don't know him. How many of you think that's utterly brilliant, right? (laughs) 
literally my dad, every time we back out of their driveway in Medford, he, he always is doing the, no, bro, come right through here. You could do it. You could do it. And so now we have, a, we got a new car this year. Come on. And uh, we, it actually has uh, technology that is in this century, which is appropriate. There's a backup camera. And so he started to do his thing. I'm like, hey, dad, see this camera right here? We, you're okay, dad. He's like, that's okay. I'll still do it, you know? <laughs> but then recently, Bethany caught me and I was helping someone. Progressive can't help you from turning into your parents, right? But they can help you bundle home and auto insurance. Uh, and this whole thought of becoming our parents, it's kind of inevitable, right? It happens, and it totally ties into the idea of discipleship. Because without knowing it, when you're with your parents all those years, all that time, there's this invisible influence, right? You watch how your parents interact. You watch how they handle crisis. You watch how they brush their teeth and what they do and what shows they watch. And all of a sudden, it's, years later, you start to do what your parents did. Isn't this true? Now, hopefully, you're not becoming your parents in a negative sense. Uh, but I, I find that especially when you start having your own kids, you start to say things that your parents said, and then you find yourself saying it and have these moments of revelation. Isn't that true? And, and I'm really very much so turning into my dad, you know, and, and, and saying things, even like what I, I said a joke right here in the beginning of the service that I've heard my dad say many times, the preaching by the letter. Um, one of his other jokes that I like to, to tell, because it's actually one of his funny jokes, which unlike most of them, uh, but he says, I, I preach like a cross-eyed javelin thrower. Not going to set any records, but he sure keeps the crowd awake. <laughs> be here all week, folks. But what's happened? Why do we become our parents? Why do we turn into our parents? Whether we want to or not, it's because of this invisible influence building up over time, watching them, listening to them, and it rubs off, doesn't it? We get pulled in. Now, luckily, I, when I was younger, I, I really wanted to be like my dad, and now I've, I've become like him in many ways. But when I was like a, a young teen, 11, 12, 13, going through puberty, you know, people would call the house. And what was really embarrassing was when I'd answer, hello, and they'd be like, hi, Kim. <clears throat> Sorry, no, this is Jake. <clears throat> uh, this is Jake, you know. How many of you young guys had to experience that? Being anybody here? Yeah, okay. Uh, and that's not good. So I, I really wanted to, to develop more like my father. But that invisible influence over time, that's a picture of discipleship. You see, we, we use this word disciple or discipleship. We have these words in church that are kind of Christianese and they sound, you know, really uh, highfalutin and erudite and scholarly and Christian, Christianly uh, disciple. And we, we, we think, oh, I'm supposed to make disciples, but I really don't know what that means. How many of you would say, yeah, it's true. Sometimes I hear sermons, I read the Bible even, and I'm like, how do I apply this Monday through Friday? How do I make this, put this into action in my real life? Anybody? Because I experience this. Sometimes... Even these terms require definition, and so we're going to look at this, this word disciple, what it means to be a disciple, and what it means to make disciples. But before we jump into that, I want to make it very clear that being a disciple and making disciples is what every disciple is called to, to be and called to do. Making disciples is not for church leaders, pastors, people that are like super Christians. That's actually not the case. In fact, biblically, we find that, the, that the, the job and the role of every disciple, every follower of Jesus, every Christian is to both be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple, and also to make disciples. So if you don't get anything else out of today, just remember this is my job as a follower of Jesus. It's my calling to make disciples. Now Jesus gave us this really as the last 
thing that he said before he ascended to heaven. So it's kind of like the scene from, you know, an old Italian mafia movie where the, the Don is laying on his back. Come closer, Giovanni. I want to tell you my last words, you know. This is what I hated the bodies, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> the important stuff, right? It's the last words. Uh, Jesus didn't hide any bodies, right? He's raising people from the dead. So, you know, it's different. But that was a, that was a pastor joke right there. But uh, his last words, before he ascended to heaven, this is what, it, what, what, it, what they were. We call them the great, the great Commission, or we call this the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And what's Jesus saying? I'm the boss. I'm the king. I rose from the dead. How many of you know we're in the middle of a contentious political election, but whoever gets elected, Jesus is still king, and every knee will bow. You know, it's easy to get more comfortable. I know everybody has their opinion of who we want to get elected. And right now there's so much fear in our culture. Well, if this guy gets elected, it's the end. If the other guy gets elected, it's the end. Newsflash, if either of them gets elected, it's not the end. Because there's still a king on the throne and, his, and, and their, their name is not Donald Trump or Joe Biden or anybody else. It's Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he says, all authority has been given to me. And then he goes on, he says, therefore. So because I've been given all authority, because Jesus is king, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's a beautiful truth here for disciples about making disciples. Jesus says, you're my disciples. I have all the power. I have all the authority. I've given you this commission. I've given you this job to do. You're going to go into all the world. You're going to make disciples. You're going to baptize. You're going to teach people to obey me. And we get a little sense of what it means to be a disciple, that Jesus gives us commands. He, he gives us a, a, an example to follow. And we're to follow in his footsteps. And as we go on that journey of following Jesus and obeying Jesus, learning to love and honor and obey the commands of Christ, we're to bring other people with us along and teach others. But I want to be very clear about something. Making disciples is not the job of a pastor. Making disciples is the job of a follower of Jesus. For every follower of Jesus. And so all of us are called to be disciples and we're called to make disciples. And this is a critical thing because we can easily fall into a spectator mode. Even what we do on Sundays, we come, we have a, a worship team. How many of you are grateful that we have people like Kalia that can actually sing? Come on. You know what I mean? It was awesome. Like, I'm happy about that. It was awesome. But you know what? Kalia can't worship for you. She's leading us in worship. Pastor Kyle leading us in worship. Pastor Judah leading us in worship. But we are to worship, Okay. We come and we listen to a teacher or a preacher or a pastor speak the word, communicate. That's great, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that, oh, I'm the one that does the work and we all spectate and then, and then we just come back week to week. No, this is a equipping time. I'm the coach and I'm, I'm rallying you in the locker room saying, now go play the game. Yeah. Are you with me? So Christianity is lived out on the day-to-day basis, not just on Sundays. We're all called to be disciples of Jesus and then we're all called to go and make disciples Let's look at what it means to be a disciple today. I think the very best and clearest verse and passage on this is, is just a, a story that takes place in Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus calls his disciples. He, he's giving us an example to follow. He calls fishermen. He calls Peter and James and John and Andrew, right? He's calling his disciples. In Matthew 4.19, it says, Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Why is he talking about fishing? Because they're fishermen, right? He's saying, what you do, I want to connect the dots that as you go, 
You're going to make disciples. You're going to fish for people. You guys understand catching fish? I'm going to actually equip you to go and catch people, okay? Now, this could apply to your life. You go, well, I'm not a fisherman. Uh, Well, what do you do? As you do what you do, you're on the lookout to bring other people to Christ, okay? But here's what we see here in this passage in Matthew chapter 4. There's three things. We'll just make it very simple. Jesus calls them, so it's a group thing. You're called into a community, called into a group. He tells them they're going to fish, and he tells them to follow. So discipleship is about three things. It's about following Jesus, fishing for people, and fellowshipping with other disciples, okay? Following, fishing, fellowship, right? Got it? Follow, fish, fellowship. We're going to talk about these three F words. Not that F word, not those F words, these F words, okay? Just make sure your mind is on the right F words today. Now everyone's mind is on the wrong F word, but not the people on live stream because they're sanctified. You know, with, with kids, Bethany and I are always trying to conceal and keep them safe, you know what I mean, from the world around. And so we're like, oh, yeah, they said the, the D word and, or they said the F word in that show or something. And the kids, they get confused, and so they think the F word is fart. <laughs> so they're, said the F word. You know, Dad said the F word in his sermon. No, Dad did not say the F word in his sermon. <laughs> What you think it is is not what it is. How many of you know? Okay, anyways, that would be a, a, a bad sermon with that word. Okay, but we are going to talk about three words today, follow, fish, and fellowship. Discipleship, guys, it's real simple. It's helping other people follow Jesus. Helping other people follow Jesus. As you go, you're bringing other people with you. As you follow, you're inviting others to follow with you. This is what discipleship is. We say it this way at Joy Church. Take the journey and take someone with you. As we take the journey of following Jesus individually, we're doing that in community and we're inviting people that do not know Jesus with intentionality. We're saying, hey, why don't you come into my life? let's, Let's journey together. And as I follow Jesus, you can follow along with me. So number one, let's talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And we're gonna spend some time looking at this individual mandate for us to be followers of Jesus and what it looks like. Because first and foremost, a disciple simply means someone that is following Jesus. But when we talk about following Jesus, this is describing a real, dynamic, authentic relationship with him. And being a follower of Jesus is much different than being a fan of Jesus, okay? How many of you know in the world, and even for us as believers, sometimes we fall into the category of being a fan of of Jesus rather than a follower of Jesus. See, a fan is up in the stands going, yay, you guys are so big and strong, score touchdowns, beat the Huskies, yay. A follower is down on the field. Are you with me? A fan can stand aloof, can stand, up, stand back and be happy. You'll hear people say this about Jesus. Well, he's a great moral teacher. He's what a great prophet Jesus was. Right now, the most popular thing to do is everybody loves to, to co-op Jesus and then use Jesus to support whatever political or social agenda they have right? And how many of you know, regardless of whatever side of the political spectrum you're on, it's easy to cherry pick verses that help make you feel good about what you're going to do and what you believe. But Jesus actually is not coming alongside of our political agendas. He is his own king. He has his own kingdom and he has an agenda that we're supposed to come alongside and actually change and be transformed to follow in his footsteps, not just be a fan of Jesus and bring him into our thing, but actually be a follower of Jesus and surrender and bow down and say, he's Lord, he's king, he has all authority, and I'm going to change. If I disagree with scripture, I don't try to make scripture fit my 21st century political beliefs. No, I change and I switch my politics to the 
the scripture. I change my perspectives and agenda to the scripture. Pastor Jake, you're preaching so good today, and we're not amening enough, but we're going to come together. We're going to rally together. Come on. Jesus calls us to follow, and not just be fans, but, but really to say, I'm going to get behind him and watch him and do what he does and say what he says and transform and change according to what he's leading me to do. The idea of being a follower, being a disciple, is to honor, to obey, and follow in the footsteps of the master. The master. Now, we're Americans. We love freedom. We like to be independent. We even have a whole holiday about being independent, and we blow stuff up and eat hot dogs, right? It's like, we're going to blow up our bodies with these hot dogs, and we're going to blow up fireworks, you know? And we celebrate independence, and that's great, and I'm happy to be an American. I love independence and freedom and all of that. But listen, the kingdom of God is not a democracy, and there isn't a vote. There's a king on the throne with commands that we obey. Well, I don't like that. Well, then you don't have to be a part of the kingdom. Well, but I want the whole salvation thing. Well, then you have to take the king. Well, I want it my way. Well, this isn't Burger King. This is the kingdom of God. You know what I mean? But people get confused. We get confused, don't we? It's like, well, I don't like the fact that, you know, the scripture just, you know, says that I have to live according to these ways. Like, I, my sexuality, I express myself differently. Well, it doesn't matter. This is, the king says this. This is what the king says. I get offended all the time by the Bible. How many of you know, being a real human being with, like, my own sinful proclivities, there's a lot of stuff I wish I could just do. What makes me feel good? Yeah, but it's bad for your soul, and it takes you further away from God and who he made you to be. And he has a plan. And this isn't a democracy. It's a kingdom. Yeah, but that makes me uncomfortable. Well, the cross is uncomfortable. But there's everlasting life. The idea of being a follower is actually to follow. (laughs) Like, not dictate to him what he's supposed to do. Sometimes kids, they get it out of order. Like, my kids, will they'll try to, like, parent Bethany and I, and we have to say, hold on a second. (laughs) Who pays the mortgage here? (laughs) Right? We get real sassy right now. "Mm, mm, mm, mm." You know what I mean? No, like you don't do it your way. This is my house and you will do it my way. When you have your own house, you can do it your way. But until you are in your own house, you are in my house and my rules. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're following in the footsteps of the master. You're not teaching, right? I like it in the, in the thing. You're not, you're not instructing him. You're not helping him. You hired him, right? <laughs> this is what we do with Jesus. We're like, hey, Jesus, you should do this in my life. Like, it's time for you to bring me my spouse because I'm ready. And he's like, you know, then pa- Pastor Rick comes along, you know, the parental life coach and says, you, you, you're not helping him. You hired him, right? You're not helping Jesus. You hired him, right? He's coming into your life to bring transformation. Okay, What is the goal of this? What is the goal of following Jesus and surrendering our lives to his will and his way for us? The goal is that we look like him, that we transform into the image of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 14, it's talking about the church and the pattern of the church, that you have the apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, the leaders that are a gift to the church, and their job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, and this is going to continue, it says, in Ephesians 4.13. This process of sanctification, this process of edification, this process of church It's going to continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up, listen to this, this is is scary. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Praise the Lord, bless his holy name. How many of you are excited? I'm up to the full and complete measure of Jesus now. I'm there, fully mature. Anybody? Jesus and I, we're just level right there. No, right? 
How many of you know this is a scary standard? How many of you, like me, say, I think I'm way below the full and complete standard of Christ? When I see a picture of Jesus and a picture of me, I go, ah! Because there's so many things where I fall short, and that's why we're so grateful for the cross and for grace and for redemption and forgiveness and, and the grace of God to lead us forward. But this is the goal that we would measure up. We would look like Jesus. This is what discipleship, when it comes to being a disciple and following in the footsteps of Christ and letting him challenge us and change us on this journey, the goal is that we actually start to look like Jesus. You see, guys, we, in, in our culture, we've gone, we've, we, in, in order to sort of deal with legalism and a works-based mentality of Christianity, we oftentimes throw the baby out with the bathwater and act like, well, there's nothing. You know, I just, I, I pray this prayer, it's like magic, and then mwah, I'm a finished product and I'm beautiful in everything that I am and do. No, there's still a lot of wickedness and, and waywardness in me that needs to be worked out. And that's what this journey of following Jesus is and what we call sanctification is about. That there's work to be done. Are you saved? Are you going to heaven? Yes, but there's a work of glory and a work of grace that is taking place that God is actually, if you'll let him, he's polishing you and, and knocking off the rough edges and helping us grow to look more like Jesus. To become more like Jesus until we measure up to the full and complete standard. There was once a a father and a son that arrived in a small western town looking for a long-lost uncle, an estranged uncle that they'd never even seen before. Suddenly, the father, pointing across the square to a man who was walking away from them, exclaimed, there goes my uncle. His son asked him, how do you know when you've never seen him before? The father replied, son, I know him because he walks exactly like my father. This is how we're to be with Jesus. That if somebody sees you, they can tell by your walk right? You can't tell by the way that I... <laughs> oh, you fill in the blanks there. I should have sang it higher. You didn't recognize the song. You can't tell by the way that I... Okay. <laughs> Crazy cool medallions. That we look like Jesus, that by our walk, by the, the measure... Hey, guys, you don't have to laugh, but I mean, I was singing falsetto. At least, I mean, you know, we're putting it out there. I'm, I'm being vulnerable here in front of you guys. I think I have to turn my man card in now, but... There should be a, a vision that when people see followers of Jesus, they go, look at that walk. It, it looks like something. I can see what's going on. This is the goal. If we walk in the Spirit, the world should be able to see our walk, be able to see that and see identity and see, uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Is it paternity? Like, no, I'm missing it. But there, there's a, that's my kid. That's my son, that we look like our father, that we begin to take on the image of Christ. We walk like him. We look like him. Now, 200 years ago, there was a man named John Wesley. He was the, the, the founder of Methodism. John Wesley was a great revivalist. He ran something called the Holy Club, uh, which sounds like a great joy group. We could start that, the Holy Club. It's not a lot of members. I don't know why. <laughs> John Wesley had the Holy Club. And listen to this. There were 22 questions that at this group, they would ask themselves. This was kind of their, their pattern of life. They would ask themselves these 22 questions every day as they were working on this following of Jesus. And I want to read you these because I find them to be just utterly challenging at a deep level. Um, we've gone so far away in our modern Christianity where we've made everything simple. We only have church for an hour and the chairs have to be comfortable and you know everybody has to be perfectly safe. And if there's not perfect kids ministry, nobody can even follow Jesus. And like, we're just, we're just kind of like a little sad sometimes. How many of you would agree? I'm not talking about your family, I'm talking about my family. Like, 
oh, the church was a little too warm and they didn't sing the song I liked and Pastor Jake's jeans were too skinny. You know, it was just, we have all these preferences. But listen, that's okay, but listen, we got to also recognize that, that there's, a, there's a level of, of, of walking with Jesus in transformation. Listen to these 22 questions. These challenge me, okay? Am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I really am? In other words, am I a hypocrite? That's just question number one. Am I honest in all my acts and words, or do I exaggerate? Do I confidentially pass on to another what was told to me in confidence? Uh Uh-oh. Can I be trusted? Am I a slave to dress, friends, work, or habits? Am I self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying? Did the Bible live in me today? Oh, that's kind of a hard question, isn't it? Do I give it time to speak to me every day? Listen to this question. Am I enjoying prayer? When's the last time you asked yourself, do I have a joy in my conversation with Jesus? Do I have a joy in my relationship with God? Or am I just checking boxes? When did I last speak to someone else about my faith? Do I pray about the money I spend? Do I get to bed on time and get up on time? Do I disobey God in anything? Do I insist upon doing something about which my conscience is uneasy? Am I defeated in any part of my life? These are kind of rough, aren't they? I don't really feel encouraged at church today. I just wanted to be encouraged today. No, this is encouraging, actually. It'll get there. Am I jealous, impure, critical, irritable, touchy, or distrustful? I feel like that question should be multiple questions, right? It's not fair. I call this Monday, actually. How do I spend my spare time? Am I proud? Do I thank God that I am not as other people, especially as the Pharisees who despise the publican? That's kind of an old-fashioned one. But basically, do I put myself at a higher standard? I'm glad I'm not like them. I'm glad I'm not like this person. Is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold a resentment toward, or disregard? And if so, what am I doing about it? Do I grumble or complain constantly? Yes. Is Christ real to me? Now, there's nothing magical or special about these questions. These are just men and women 200 years ago, followers of Jesus that were writing down things to to, to say, I'm going to look at and, and live an examined life of following Jesus, that there should be some progress and some character. How many of you know that character is, is like a ceiling as you attain to it, but it becomes the floor of your life in crisis? Many people throughout this last year of 2020, a year of shaking, a year of revealing the faults, have been revealed, been shown, even myself. I've looked at my life and gone, man, as comfort's been taken away, as I've been shaken, my character has some areas that need some growth. This is what it means to follow Jesus, that I am looking to him and saying, Lord, have your way in my life. You can look up those questions if you want. Just look up John Wesley's 22 questions. You know, these are, these are they're not, again, these aren't the only questions, whatever. I Just an example. Sometimes I will go through these 22 questions and, and usually I get through like one and then I'm, it got me, you know what I mean? And then I have to stop and have a moment with God. Lord, help me to grow, help me to walk. But the point of this is that, no, you're not going to be perfect. When you read those questions, the, the goal there is not that you like ace it and get an A plus on the test. Some of us perfectionists, it's hard, you know, to have these kind of things. 
No, the goal is that we look at it and get honest with ourselves and say, I want to make progress. Yes, perfection is the goal because we want to measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ, but that's not going to happen on this side of eternity, but we can make progress as we're walking with Jesus. But being a follower of Jesus should actually lead to some fruit of righteousness in your life. You see, in our culture, we've sort of, again, we've gotten away from this, but did you know that God actually is holy and he wants holiness? And when you get close to God, there's going to be a sense of your lack of holiness. Like when Isaiah says, I'm a man of unclean lips and a people of, and a people of unclean lips and woe is me because I'm undone, there should be a, a, a holy fear and reverence in the presence of God to say, Jesus, thank you for grace because I don't measure up, but I want to become more like you. And this is what following Jesus is about. Making progress as a follower of Jesus. So I'll encourage all of you, get the 22 questions and have a great week. <laughs> but it doesn't just stop there. Because remember, there's three words today. We're talking about following, fishing, and fellowship. Jesus, when he talks about discipleship and he says, he calls to them, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. It's not just this thing we do all alone in isolation. Because see, you could take these 22 questions and become a really good Pharisee. You could get really excited about following Jesus and every day I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and do that. But Jesus says, actually, to be a disciple, it's not just you all by yourself on a mountaintop with God. But actually, you're supposed to meet with God and he's supposed to work his work of glory in your life as he's sanctifying you and you're pursuing Jesus and following Jesus. And then you're sent back into the world to fish for people that actually your, your work of perfection and the work that God is doing in your life as a disciple is not complete until you recognize that even in your imperfection, you're called to go. That you get really selfish if you just, you and God, and you're just working on you. It's always about you, isn't it, buttercup? But Jesus says, go back into the world because even in your imperfection, even as an earthen vessel with cracks and holes, I'm going to let my glory work in your life and you're going to make a difference in the world around you. Every time I get up here to preach, I feel insecure because I'm not, I don't measure up to the messages I speak, but I'm not called to be the perfect example. I'm called to be the willing one that will actually let God work through me. We hold this treasure in earthen vessels. How many of you know when you go to work, when you go to school, in your marriages, you're not perfect, but you're on a journey and you're, you're, you're called to ask people to follow Jesus with you. And so we're called to be fishers of men. We're called to be uh, evangelists. We're called to communicate the gospel what does it mean to fish for people? It just means to intentionally reach out in relationship to people that don't know Jesus. That's it. Listen, if all you took away from this today was, man, I just want to start having a heart and an open mind to look for the people around me that don't know Jesus, to invite them into my life, that would be a win. Many times we make this so complicated. We think, oh, I've heard these preacher stories and a pastor preaches to someone on an airplane and they're baptizing the Holy Spirit right there. The whole plane gets saved. And, you know, that's so rare, right? It's like the mythical fish stories. You know what I mean? Pastors tell these stories. I caught a fish this big, you know. Uh, how big was the one-armed, the one-armed fisherman? He caught a fish this big, you know. <laughs> but we tell these stories. That was like the weakest pitying laugh. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to upgrade my game, guys. I'm on a journey, right? I need to get behind a comedian and follow them as they follow Christ or whatever. <laughs> but we hear these stories and we think that being an evangelist and fishing for people has to be this real religious experience. No, it's like inviting someone to your house to watch a football game and asking how they're doing. It's, it's, it's the 
going to your coffee shop and asking somebody, how's your day going? And starting a relationship, but with the intention, knowing this person doesn't know Jesus or, or finding out they don't know Jesus, that you want, you want to see them connected to Jesus. The thing about fishing, though, is it doesn't, you don't catch fish by accident. Have you ever caught a fish by accident? I never have. I, I've actually barely caught one on purpose. But I will tell you that several months or, or years ago, it was some, somewhere in the past three to months to 12 months, I can't remember, but Pastor Mark and I and, and Mike Tibbetts and my son Jack, we went out to the McKinsey. You know, we, uh, we went fishing and uh, we actually caught fish. Pretty cool. And we actually ate them later, which was really cool. Uh, but that whole thing, there was intentionality. Mike had to get his boat on the trailer, come pick us up. We had to go up to the river. We had to launch the boat. We had to get into the boat, right? We had to get our grubby clothes on. Mike had to bait the, the hooks. He had to take us to the place where the fish were. We had to actually, you know, walk it down the river and do our thing. And all of a sudden, boom, we caught. I love catching. Fishing, not so much. Catching, that part's great. But you know what? It took some work. It took some effort. It took some positioning and it took intentionality. This is the thing that Jesus has called you as an act of discipleship. If you're following Jesus, he said, I want you to think about fishing for other people. I want you to think about this with intentionality. And again, if you walk out of here today and all you get is, man, I just need to think about lost people. Because we get very selfish and focused on our own journey, don't we? And yes, you're called to follow Jesus, but you're also called to fish. It's not enough just to follow. You also got to fish. And this means having a mind that's open to the people around us. Disciples embrace the call of evangelism to reach people. And all you have to do is share your life with people. Do what you do. Again, these are fishermen. Jesus says, hey, you understand fishing? Fish for people. Whatever it is you do, translate this message and say, what do I do? Am I the, do I work for Lane Apex? And I go, you know, pick up garbage. Okay, how could I talk to the person next to me and connect my life to their life and help them get connected to Jesus. Uh, Joey Bonifacio says this, that discipleship is relationship. Relationship is discipleship. Why? Because it's, it, there's, there's relationship that takes place. We have a relationship with Jesus, and as we form a relationship with people that do not know Jesus, that relationship becomes the bridge by which a person can become introduced to Jesus. And when you're on an active journey of following Jesus, you can't help but share that with the people in your life. Are you with me? So as we follow, we fish, we open our lives to people, and this creates avenues by which people can hear the gospel, respond to Christ, and begin to follow Jesus, which is incredibly fulfilling and enriching, and it's your portion. It's your uh, calling. It's your role as a disciple of Jesus. I would just challenge us as a church that each of us should every year be looking for, to form a, a good relationship, not in, the, not in like a, I'm going to notch my belt, I got one, you know, kind of way, but in a, an authentically, I want to find somebody, God, open my life, open my heart and mind to someone in my life that I can intentionally form a relationship with that to, for the purpose of helping them find you. And just begin to pray for that person, begin to think about it. What we focus on and what we're intentional about is where life comes in our life. Amen. You know, when I was uh, 270 pounds, uh, I wanted to lose some weight, and Bethany said, hey, let's stop, let's stop eating sugar in the month of December, December 2014. And I was like, okay, stopped eating sugar for the month, stopped, and wouldn't you know it, lost 10 pounds. I'm like, <laughs> feeling pretty good, you know what I mean? But I was still a little chunky, and uh, I was like, hey, I can do this. And I just began to think about what I ate, I counted calories, and I walked every day, and I lost a bunch of weight. There was intentionality, there was focus, and it happened. 
what we think about, what we focus on, what we give some space in our life, there's going to be some growth in that area. And, I'll, and I'm, I'm just challenging us today that as disciples, we don't just think about our following Jesus, that vertical, but we also begin to think about others, okay? And we think about fishing. And when you do that, God's going to open up avenues and doors for relationships to be formed, and you can see people come to Christ through your life, not magic, not by osmosis, because it's what you're called to do, who you are, and what God's going to do through your life, as long as you're open and willing and saying, Jesus, I'm going to think about other people. Are you with it? Follow and fish. And then number three, fellowship. Now, fellowship is one of these words that, again, it's kind of a Christianese word. Our church uh, back in the day, my, my parents' church, before it was Joy Church, was called Joy Christian Fellowship, right? And uh, fellowship is one of those words that sounds kind of Christian-y and all that, and it reminds us of potlucks, and we're just having a church fellowship. We're going to watch, you know, the TBN together and eat tuna salad. I don't know what we do at fellowships, but that sounds like what fellowship is. That's what Kyle and I do when we fellowship, watch TBN and eat tuna fish. Yeah. Um, no, we don't. A lot more tacos and less TBN. But fellowship isn't just Christian hangout. Fellowship isn't just a bunch of Christians getting in a room and gossiping about, you know, Pastor Jake or whatever. Uh, not that that's happening. <laughs> no, fellowship is a deeper thing. It has a much deeper meaning. Jesus, when he called his disciples, first of all, he called a group, he called two of them. But what we understand biblically, and I talked about this two weeks ago, is that we are saved out of the kingdom of darkness and we're brought into the kingdom of light. We were not a people, but now we are a people. We are the people of God. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We have now a new identity, not just as individuals, but a new identity as a community, a new identity as the ecclesia, the called out to gather fellowship of the redeemed that we had an identity in sin, in isolation, but God sets the solitary in families and we are brought into the church, the body of Christ. We are saved into a fellowship and fellowship isn't just Christians getting together, eating you know, potluck foods. Fellowship has a much deeper meaning. It's the koinonia, the shared life. What it means in the New Testament, what we understand is it's participation together in the communal life of Christ. I'm saved by Jesus into this new community, and we together live it out in what we call fellowship. Fellowship is a shared identity in Christ. Fellowship is walking side by side as followers of Jesus together through the good, the bad, and the ugly of life, challenging and helping one another to acts of good work, as it says in the book of Hebrews, and helping each other follow Jesus. But we're walking it out together. We have a common mission. We have a common Lord. We have a common purpose. We have a common language, and we are a new family that transcends. And listen, this is the hope of our nation, you guys. Black, white, Hispanic, every color, every tribe, every tongue is called into the kingdom of God to a new identity and a new fellowship. Listen, racism will not fall until we lose the, the seeing the color of skin and embrace the color of character expressed in the kingdom of God. No politician has the answer for this divide. No politician has the answer for the economic, the social, the racial divides that divide us. The answer is in coming together in koinonia, coming together in fellowship as followers of Jesus. Our work of discipleship is a work of redemption and restoration, not just in church, not just spiritually, but in culture. To see our schools transformed, to see our workplaces transformed, to see our families transformed. Yes, it starts on the inside, but it's gonna, it, it, as, it, as it manifests, it comes into the fellowship of the believers. 
shared identity in Christ. Even the people on live stream can grow from that word right there. Come on, guys. I'm just giving you a hard time, but we're, we're together in fellowship. We are brought together in Christ. You know, I think about, I'll, I'll make myself seem a little bit more geeky than maybe I already do today, but I'm willing to do it for all of your sakes. I love the Lord of the Rings. Anybody else Lord of the Rings fan? I actually read the Lord of the Rings on our honeymoon, the whole trilogy, on our honeymoon. Uh, I finished them all. We were in England. We actually honeymooned in the UK, so I thought, what better place to read the Lord of the Rings than in the UK, and it was awesome. And uh, I love the Lord of the Rings. It's always captivated me. But if you remember, there's, the first book is called The Fellowship of the Ring. And uh, most of you have probably seen the movies if you, haven't, if you haven't read the books, but I'll allow it for the sake of fellowship. Um, <laughs> but there's a scene in the movie and in the books where Frodo has the ring. They have to go to Mordor to destroy it, go to Mount Doom. And he, he's really not up to this task all by himself. He goes to Elrond's house at Rivendell, right? This is Elrond the Elf. Yes, I said elf in a sermon. And uh, not Santa's elf. No, this is like a real elf with a bow and arrow and all that. Come on, get your... Thank you, Rob, right? I mean, we need to know this, you know. And uh, they go to Elrond's house, and they have this council. It's the Council of the Ring. You remember this from the movie? You remember this? And they form a what? A fellowship. Now listen, it wasn't just like a club. It wasn't just like a, a hangout. They weren't just there to eat tuna fish together and watch Christian TV. That's not what it was. All of a sudden, you, 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 they talk about this mission and this great task. Frodo has to take the ring to Mordor. He has to destroy it to save the world. And then Legolas steps up and he's like, you have my bow, right? He has the long flowing <laughs> blonde hair and everybody's like, lame. All the girlfriends in the movie theater are like, ah. And all the guys are like, ah, oh, he sucks. You know, <laughs> wish I was like that. But, you know, Legolas says, you have my bow. And then Gimli, who's actually manly and cool, right? Anybody? What does he say? And my axe, right? And he's there, Boromir and my sword, you know, and they're all joining together. And, they're, and from their individuality and their gifts and their talents and who, who they are, they come together and say, I'm putting myself into this fellowship. I'm committing myself to this common mission. I'm committing myself as an individual to what we are together and what we're going to accomplish together. Fellowship, when we talk about this in a Christian sense and what it means to be a disciple as kind of the, the finishing of this trifecta of being a follower, being a fisher, and being in fellowship, it means a group of people committed to a common cause and to each other no matter what happens. And so we come together in fellowship as the fellowship of the redeemed, and we are saved out of darkness, out of the world, into the church. We join in fellowship, and a real disciple does not forsake the assembling of themselves together. A real disciple says the fellowship of believers is meaningful. It matters, and it's not just a suggestion. It's a command. It, it's, it's intrinsic to what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is following Jesus, but they're doing that in the context of community, in fellowship with other believers. If you want to go deep on this topic, I encourage you to read Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together, which is a fantastic depiction of what fellowship and what it means to be a Christian in the context of fellowship really is. He talks about confession of sins, and he talks about challenging each other to follow Jesus and what it really looks like, and it's a fantastic book. I highly recommend you read it. But the, the basic gist of it is that to really be a follower of Jesus, it's not you by yourself focused on your relationship with God. That is an aspect of it. That's why we looked at those 22 questions. But it's also to look outward, to be a fisher of men, and to do it as part of this net, 
as the part of the fellowship of believers. That is what it means to be a discipleship. And so as we close today, discipleship is something we all participate in, both for ourselves and for others. In other words, we are disciples, but we also make disciples. This is our calling, our mission. And there is no category of Christian that is not a disciple and a disciple maker. There is no such thing as a consumer-only Christian. That's not a Christian. That's somebody who still needs to fully surrender their life to Christ and become a disciple of Jesus. Do you hear me? You you can't say, well, I, I want Jesus, but I don't want the church. You can't have the head of the body without the body. You can't have the bridegroom without the bride. You can't reject it. You can't reject the mission of the kingdom and get the king of the kingdom because you're wanting to have a democracy to yourself and your vote and what you want, Burger King kingdom, and that's not what it is. Are you with me? And so to really be a disciple, we're disciples of Jesus. We're following in his footsteps, but we are also disciple makers. I want to finish with this story. A couple years ago, I uh, had an opportunity to go to Vancouver, Canada, and I don't make a habit of going to Canada, but sometimes I'm required by the gospel to go to other places uh, less than the beautiful United States, and uh, I'm just having fun. But I, I, love, I love Canada. I love going up there. And um, I was with friends, and my friend said, hey, we're going to take you to this really cool go-kart track in Vancouver. And it was a, a legit one. You had to wear a full-out helmet, and the go-karts go. It's not like the one at like, the Family Fun Center where you're like, you know, five miles an hour or whatever. No, these are like 40, 50-mile-an-hour go-karts, and they have to give you a, you have to sign a waiver. You could die. You know, it's like real. And so we're, we're going out on this track, and one of the guys, who's this really cool, suave, French-Canadian guy, I don't remember his name, but I think it was like Sebastian or something cool like that. And he was like really suave. He had like a pencil mustache. You know what I mean? Just looked really cool. Looked like a Formula One driver. And we get out on the, on the track, and he's just going, like lapping us, guys, the rest of us. We're like crashing into each other, and so after the first race, I'm like, dude, you're amazing. He's like, well, I was actually a professional racer. So he was a professional uh, a pro-am racer. He, he did it all through up to like until he was an adult. Uh, absolutely incredible. And I said, well, man, you're amazing. Could you, could you tell me like how to be faster? What do I need to do? And he's sure. So he, he takes me under his wing and we, we had about 10 minutes between each race. We were going to race like six times. And he, on the second race, he gives me these instructions. He says, you know, turn here. You need to brake like this. This is how you, you accelerate. And he gives me all these instructions. I go out equipped with this new knowledge and I get out there on the, on the track and I'm like a second faster, right, than I was before, which is a lot uh, in this, this racetrack. And I was faster than the other guys and I'm like, this is amazing. Like I felt like I'd been given magical powers because he trained me, he taught me, he instructed me on what to do. But Sebastian, the whole time, is still zoom, zoom, zoom. Even me with my new mythical knowledge, he's faster than me. And so I asked him again, I'm like, hey, what you said to me on that last race, it really helped me. It really made me faster. And, and I'm, you know, I want to show these other men humility by beating them more. And so he's like, no problem. He says, but listen, I've told you what you need to know, but here's what you really need to do is on the next race, I'll wait for you, come and get right behind me and just do what I do. So on the next race, I get up behind him and all of a sudden he takes off and he said, he told me, he said, just watch what I do. Turn where I turn, speed up where I speed up, break where I break. And so I got right behind him and I followed him and I was four seconds faster on that race. And I didn't have any more knowledge 
He didn't tell me any more things. All I did was I got right behind him and I did what he did. I turned where he turned. I went how he went. And I was zooming around that track. The apostle Paul said it this way. He said, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Discipleship, yes, it's about instruction and you can help people by teaching them, but you will see transformation in the people you lead and you will experience transformation as you embrace what it really means to be a disciple, which is not just to receive instruction, but to actually get right behind somebody and watch what they do, turn where they turn, go where they go, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's where the transformation is. That's what it means to be a disciple. And that's how we are disciple makers. We say, look, I'm not perfect. I don't do everything right, but just get behind me and watch what I do. Go where I go. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And we're going to see transformation through discipleship in Jesus' name. Go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. This morning, just like every service, we have an opportunity to begin this journey of following Jesus. And wherever you are, even if you're watching today online or even on a replay of this service, we're so grateful and so glad you're a part. But every single week, there are people that are looking for life, looking for hope, looking for meaning. And what you need is a relationship with Jesus to begin to follow him. Because this is where it starts, that we follow Jesus. He calls every one of us, come, follow me. Take my yoke upon you. His burden is easy. His burden is light. You can receive what he's done for you at the cross. Receive his forgiveness and then begin to follow him as Lord of your life. So if that's you, would you just pray this prayer with me today? Just pray this prayer along with me today and we're gonna give you an opportunity to take a next step. But if you wanna put your faith and trust in Jesus, just pray and let's all pray this together. Dear Jesus, I put my faith and hope in you and you alone. I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me. I know that I've fallen short of your standard but I receive your grace and your forgiveness. I give you my life and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Give me the grace to follow you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen.